Uh, you'll see from uh, the title of the sermon uh, today, it's, the title is uh, Living in a Fantasy World. Uh, that's not about some belief in successful Welsh rugby. Uh, for those of you, I understand Wales were hammered yesterday by England. In, in fact, we're, as you well know, sorry, that was a cheap joke for one of my Welsh friends. We're continuing our series in Daniel 2 this morning. It's a long passage and we'll need to move relatively quickly, but it's a great story. And we'll dip into all of it, so if you keep it open in front of you, I think it fills two pages. That will be a great help. So keep page 884 in your Bibles. Daniel chapter 2. A friend of mine uh, was explaining his feelings of growing up to me. He says, uh, you know what it's like when you're younger and you're playing upstairs uh, with your, your brothers and sisters and friends? Uh, you know that feeling and you know you're safe uh, because the grown-ups are always just downstairs. You know that feeling? You remember that when you were younger? As soon as they hear a crash uh, or a thud, they'll be upstairs uh, to fix the problem. And no matter what happens, if something goes wrong, the grown-ups are downstairs and you know uh, they'll tell you what needs to be done. Uh, but there comes that moment in life when you realise that uh, when you realise uh, the grown-ups aren't downstairs anymore. You've grown up yourself. You're the adult now, uh, and you wonder: uh, Did they always feel they knew as little as I do now? Uh, you thought by the time you'd, you grew up, you'd be more certain about things, understand uh, what life is all about. Uh, you recognise that feeling? Uh, it hits us at different times. I think families uh, with newborn children thinking. Uh, what do we do now? Uh, where's the off switch? Uh, graduating students perhaps heading off towards a career. Uh, those starting out in marriage with decisions to make. Others who are single wondering, uh, will it always just be me answering the big questions? Who am I? Uh, where do I fit? What is all this about? How am I to live? Uh, what will happen to me? Even towards the, the latter stages of life, have I lived the right way? For the right things? Now, they're big questions. And there are answers given right here in Daniel chapter 2. Here in this strange story about Nebuchadnezzar, he's the king of the world at the time, and he's had a dream that troubles him. Verse 1. It seems that in his day, people thought a lot about dreams, thought that they could get direction for life from them. Well, Nebuchadnezzar's had a troubling one. He really wants to get to the bottom of it, so he calls in his wise men. And he commands them to deal with the dream. And when they can't, he orders their execution in a rather unpleasant way. Verse 6. Cut into little pieces. Houses turned into piles of rubble. You get the feeling he's really not been sleeping very well, don't you? Maybe you can relate to that. You probably don't have the authority to turn people's houses into rubble and cut them up into pieces, but you might have felt like it through lack of sleep. Well, for Nebuchadnezzar, just as the swords are being sharpened, Daniel... This exile that's been captured from Judah, who we met in chapter 1, steps in in verse 14. And he approaches the situation with what we've already come to expect. And we see it there at the end of uh, verse 14. It's wisdom and tact. Now he gets time for his friends and himself to pray. Uh, God helps them. They unravel the dream. And by the end of the chapter, in verse 48, just have a look at it. We didn't read this far. And we hear this about Daniel. Uh, the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon. And if we read on, his three friends are promoted along with him. It's an enthralling story about Nebuchadnezzar 
Daniel and his friends, successful at the end. Except you read it carefully and you discover, actually they're only in the story in order to let someone else shine out. It's as you look at their interaction, and you find yourself introduced more and more deeply to the main character, that is, God. And in getting to know him, we'll learn much more about confidence for life. So here's the first thing from this chapter this morning, and it's this. God proves that he alone reveals the meaning of life. God proves that he alone reveals the meaning of life. I'm no expert when it comes to wine. I know what I like more or less, but I'm always impressed by the amateur experts. Don't you love them? Um, the friends who play the wine taster, they slosh the wine around their mouths and they say wonderful things like, I'm definitely getting citrus fruits. Or there seems to be a hint of oak here. Or, or I'm getting gooseberry, vanilla and burnt leather. That's, that's, I love all that kind of stuff when they say those things. Uh, for me, a good wine tastes of grapes and a bad wine tastes of vinegar. <laughs> but for the amateur experts, for the amateur experts, they're always looking for something distinctive, aren't they? What is the key taste that flavors this wine? So you come back to Daniel chapter 2 and just for a moment start to think like a wine taster. Uh, we want to see what's distinctive about this story. Why chapter 2 is in here. See if there is a, a key taste that flavors this chapter. And I think there is. So, so just have a look with me. Verse 11, uh, those astrologers speak, those wise men of the king of Babylon speak. In verse 11, they say this, uh, what the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king. Uh, then down in verse 19, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel. And in verse 22, he, that is God, reveals deep and hidden things. And verse 28, uh, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Uh, verse 29, the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. Uh, verse 30, uh, this mystery has been revealed to me. And then what I think is the punchline of the chapter from the lips of this pagan king in verse 47, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. You spot the key word? You catch the, tea, the key taste that flavors the chapter? Uh, this whole story is a setup. It is a setup to convince Nebuchadnezzar initially and encourage you and me as readers subsequently where you find life's meaning. And God is proving that He alone is the revealer. God's revelation is where we find life's meaning. Come back to the dream for a moment. Uh, the wise men and astrologers ask what the dream was, but the king is suspicious. So anyone can have a go at giving an interpretation for a dream. You could have a go at that. Uh, just like anyone can have a go at telling you what life is all about. I mean, loads of people will tell you all sorts of ideas, but Nebuchadnezzar has a different idea, doesn't he, in verse 9? You know what he says? No, you tell me the dream, and then I will know that you can interpret it for me. As we asked him, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You, you tell it to me. 
And then, oh no, you really have power to interpret it. You've got to be impressed with Nebuchadnezzar. He's not someone who plans on being fobbed off with any old nonsense. He's after true meaning, isn't he? So he wants the real deal. If they've got genuine insight, if they really have the inside track on, on hidden knowledge, well then they should know the dream as well, shouldn't they? And the wise men reply in verse 11, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods and they do not live among men. You see what we've been told by these people? See, when it comes to revealing hidden things, the pagan gods are silent. And when it comes to revealing ultimate meaning, oh, they've got nothing to say. There's no real proof that they're even there, and they're not. Now, our society might think that looking for meaning hidden in dreams and answers from spiritual sources is ridiculous. Uh, We're much more scientific now, aren't we? But where's that left us in the search for meaning? As one person put it, Darwin's great accomplishment was to reduce the design of the universe to a product of purposeless meaningless matter in motion. And as John Gray, the author of the book Straw Dogs, writes, science has supplanted religion as the chief source of authority, but at the cost of making human life accidental and insignificant. See, when it comes to the question of meaning, it would seem that secular science delivers the same deafening silence as the pagan gods. Friends who who are not Christians may laugh at your belief in God, but But just ask them what what they believe. What's the point of it all? I remember meeting a student up in York who told me belief in a God who made everything out of nothing was ridiculous. I asked him what he believed, and eventually what we got down to was he believed that that nothing made everything out of nothing. (laughs) And when we talked about it, I asked him, now what is more logical? It doesn't prove anything, but his belief in, in nothing, it was equally Uh, helpless in in providing an answer to meaning. And many try and deal with the question by asserting there is no meaning. And yet the questions continue, don't they? Even for those who, like Nebuchadnezzar, enjoy worldwide fame. See, listen to the pop star Madonna. I was at the top of my world. I'd won a golden globe for Evita. I was pregnant. I had fame. I had fortune. Everything that you would perceive a person would want in life, but I'm sure everyone's had that out-of-body experience where you say to yourself, and it, it might happen at 28 or 38 or 68, why am I here? Why am I inside this body? And what am I doing? I'm looking for answers about meaning. And I don't think when you read Daniel chapter 2 that, that God is suggesting you to, to go looking for meaning in dreams. Don't think that every cheese-fueled nightmare is, is significant. I always seem to have bad dreams if I eat cheese too late at night. Well, don't think that we're to depend on a dream directives from God. And that would be to miss the point of Daniel chapter 2. Now the point is that wherever you are, enticed by the latest spirituality or impressed with a bleak kind of scientific atheism, the real questions of life will only find answers from the God of the Bible and his own revelation. He is the one who, verse 22, uh, reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and, and light is with him. See, if you're a Christian, 
we're being reminded listening to God is the right thing to do. He really does know everything. And he proves it in Daniel chapter 2 by revealing a dream that no one could know to the king of the world. God proves to you that he is the revealer. Well, here's the second thing uh, from this chapter. Uh, And it's this. God explains that he alone plans and controls history. Uh, God explains that he alone plans and controls history. Uh, Look at the dream itself and and notice what Daniel says in verse 29. We, We didn't read it, but we'll have a look at it. In verse 29, Daniel says, As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. You were being told there that God gave the dream in the first place. It's all been set up. And the concern of the dream is the future. What is going to happen? In verses 31 to 35, Daniel describes the dream. So the king looked and he saw a large statue. I guess many of you will have read this before, but we'll go through it. In verse 32, the statue is described for us. There's a head of gold. This is what Daniel tells the king. A head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs and feet, partly iron, partly clay. And while he was looking at the statue, verse 34, a rock was cut out, but, but not with human hands smashes into the statue and seems to grind it to dust so that there's nothing left. But the rock itself grows and grows until it becomes a mountain filling the whole earth. You imagine Daniel standing there in the throne room before King Nebuchadnezzar. The entire court standing around him. You can imagine the silence, can't you? Nebuchadnezzar doesn't say anything. But he gives Daniel a look that says... Carry on. And everyone at court realizes Daniel is bang on the money. And you sense the gathering interest as he continues with the interpretation, verses 36 to 44. The statue represents four kingdoms. Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom, they are the head of gold, hugely impressive all through the world of his day. And then there follows three other kingdoms, silver, bronze, the clay-iron mix. Then this rock is explained. Well, the rock is God's kingdom. Its location is on the earth, but it's not been set up by people. It's not a human institution. That was the meaning of the phrase, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. Now, we're told that it was all God's doing in verse 44. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. There may be a lot in this dream, but let me just underline a couple of things for you. See, what God seems to be revealing is history is not meaningless. It's not meaningless. History may seem to be an endless list of kings and queens and empires that come and go. It was once boasted, wasn't it, that the sun never set on the British Empire. There's always sunshine somewhere in the British Empire. I'm told that the McDonald's hamburger empire makes a similar boast. It's always sunny somewhere you can get a Big Mac. That's good to know, isn't it? All empires eventually pass away, don't they? The British Empire has done. McDonald's will one day. Yet God says... History is not meaningless. 
Uh, the world is not that described by T.S. Eliot in The Hollow Men. This is the way the world will end, not with a bang, but with a whimper. It's not like that. Now, history doesn't have an end. It has a goal. A goal that has now been revealed to Nebuchadnezzar and to us as readers. A goal that has, at its very centre, God's eternal plans for his people on the earth. Verse 44. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it itself will endure forever. Now that's where life's heading. If you want to find meaning and purpose, well, you need to keep focused on this goal. And if God is revealing that history is not meaningless, then he's also revealing that it's not haphazard. Well, just notice verse 37. Daniel is speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar again, and he says, You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. You see what this says? History is not ultimately in the hands of kings or presidents or prime ministers or captains of industry. Any power they have has been given to them. Now they can use or misuse it. They'll, they'll have a certain amount of room to manoeuvre, but they're not ultimately in charge. Now they will be accountable, not just to voters or to shareholders, but to God. If you look back at Daniel's song of praise, back in verse 20, a praise be to the name of God forever and ever. A wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and he deposes them. See, history is in God's hands. And that means your history is ultimately in God's hands too. And to live any other way is to be living in a fantasy world. See, we're being reminded if we're Christians that trusting God and living for him is the right thing to do. Your future doesn't depend ultimately on your ability or your skill. It depends on God's plans that he's revealed. Your ultimate future is secure if you're trusting him. It doesn't feel like it sometimes, does it? Our futures seem very uncertain. In Daniel 2, God's people are exiles. They're living under a foreign power. Life is hard. It seems pointless. But God, who is the revealer, tells them he will one day establish his kingdom. Until that time, he remains in control of every earthly power, working things out for his own glory and for the ultimate good of his people. And what about you and me? Uh, We listen to the encouragement of Daniel 2, but we we have even more encouragement when we come to Hebrews chapter 1. Because the great revealer has spoken a final word about his kingdom and his plans. Now this is what we read. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. He's the king. And through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. 
sustaining all things by his powerful word, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Do you remember the words of the astrologers back in Daniel? What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. The pagan gods are silent. They have nothing to say. But in Jesus, we do hear God's final revelation. The divine son has come among men and spoken a final word to us. We know God's plans. Do you remember the words of the dream? A kingdom established, but but not by human hands. It's not a human institution. The divine son has come and established God's kingdom that even today is growing and filling the earth as God gathers up a people for himself who are forgiven through Jesus that we know our future is secured. So if you want to find meaning in life, if you want to know how to live and what will happen to you, well, you need to listen to God's revelation and live for his kingdom. Well, here's the final brief thing this morning. So the wise know how to live no matter what. The wise know how to live no matter what. Daniel is, is famous in the Bible for his wisdom. But we're not meant to read Daniel to and be merely impressed by him. You do realize the purpose of God's revelation is to make you and me wise as well. We're meant to enjoy this wisdom, share it and experience it. So that we'll know how to live no matter what. Do you ask the question, how am I to live? And Daniel 2 says, humble yourself. Accept God's revelation and it will set you on a course for his kingdom. It would be good to think how that's been happening through this week, wouldn't it? It would be good to sit down and, and ponder just how you've been listening to God's revelation. Or what have you been learning from God's word? When was the last time you heard something from God's word and it changed the way you were living or thinking? How has it been shaping your living at home and at work? We wonder sometimes, don't we, if I am living for God, will he really keep me safe? We'll think more about that next week.